0: well hi hello and howdy everyone welcome to another episode of rotten to the core the history podcast where we delve into the lives of some rotten people my goal is to expand our knowledge and learn some lessons from the two-sided stories of these people that along with some empathy maybe their mistakes can help others avoid making the same ones I am your host, Josh Waters, and on today's episode, we are going to be learning about the judge who oversaw the Salem witch trials in the 1600s. Even without any legal education, he would end up condemning 19 people to death by hanging and one by being pressed to death, all for the crime of witchcraft. So gather round, my sisters and brothers, and let's see what the tea leaves tell us about the not-so-honorable Judge William Stoughton, the bloodthirsty witch hunter of Salem, Massachusetts. As always, let's start at the beginning. William Stoughton was born on September 30th, 1631. It is unclear as to where he was born exactly. His family may have migrated to Massachusetts Bay Colony prior to his birth, but there are no records that can confirm it. What is known is that by 1632, they were in the colony, and they owned a vast amount of land. At the age of 19, he earned a degree in theology from Harvard, then returned to England where he received an MA from Oxford in 1652. He continued his studies at Oxford until he lost his fellowship in 1660. However, after Charles II was restored to the throne, there was a movement against religious dissenters, and that included Stoughton. Seeing that it would be tough to gain a position and earn a living in England, he decided to return to Massachusetts. Once he left England, he did find a job as a preacher in a Dorchester, Massachusetts church. Following the revocation of the Massachusetts Charter and the reassertion of English control over the colony, he entered into political life. He served on the colony's Council of Assistance almost every year from 1671 to 1686 and represented the colony in the New England Confederation from 1673 to 1686. In the 1684 election, Joseph Dudley, who had been labeled as an enemy of the colony for his moderate position on colonial charter issues, failed to win re-election to the council. Stalton, who was re-elected by a small majority and was a friend and business partner of Dudley, refused to serve in protest. And in 1676, he was chosen, along with Peter Bulkley, to be an agent representing colonial interest in England. Their instructions were narrowly tailored. They were authorized to acquire land claims from their heirs of Sir Fernando Jorge and John Mason that conflicted with some Massachusetts land claims in present-day Maine. They were unsuccessful in maintaining broader claims made by Massachusetts against other territories of Maine and the Providence of New Hampshire. Their limited authority upset the Lords of Trade who sought to have the colonial laws modified to conform to their policies. The mission of William and Buckley did little more than antagonize colonial officials, though, in London because of their hardline stance. Men in the 1600s unwilling to bulge from their opinion? No way! I don't think that's ever going to fade into history. (laughs) For many years, though, Stalton and Joseph Dudley were friends, as well as political and business partners, The two worked closely together, politically, and engaged in land development. Remember that part. The two worked very closely and were good friends. In 1692, when Increase Mather and Sir William Phipps arrived from England carrying the charter for the new province of Massachusetts Bay and a royal commission for Phipps as governor, they also brought one for Stalton as lieutenant governor. Well, Rumors of witchcraft have been gaining momentum during the year 1692, and the village of Salem seemed to be at the center. People had already been put into jail on accusations of participating in witchcraft, and Governor Phipps was forced to deal with the issue immediately. Between February 1692 and May 1693, around 200 women and men were accused of practicing witchcraft instigated predominantly by the strange behavior of elizabeth betty paris age 9 abigail williams age 11 and ann putnam jr also age 11. intense paranoia seized the massachusetts bay colony for 15 months 20 people would be put to death 19 by hanging and one man by crushing the ramifications of the salem witch trials completely transformed the village phipps appointed stalton to head the special tribunal to handle the accusations of witchcraft that had been placed on so many people he would also be appointed as chief justice during the salem witch trials dalton acted as both chief judge and persecutor he was partially harsh on some of the defendants sending the jury deliberating in the case of rebecca nurse back to reconsider its not guilty verdict after doing so she was convicted Many convictions were made because Stoughton permitted the use of spectral evidence, which was a divisive issue at the time as many judges expressed reservations on its use. William, however, was convinced of its acceptability and may have influenced other judges to this view. The special court stopped sitting in September of 1692. One could say that I am fashion conscious. My own dad taught me, if you look good, then you feel good. I mean, he carries a comb in his back pocket to this day. So it was easy for me to spot quality, and that's exactly what I found when I came across Cuts Clothing. They've spent years perfecting men's t-shirts. I started off trying a few of their shirts, and to say I was impressed would be an understatement. Between the quality of the fabric, the sewing, and the long-lasting colors, I was instantly hooked on Cuts. When I go out of the house dressed in any of my Cuts clothing, I feel sharp and confident. It doesn't matter if I'm going to the office, a date, or just running errands. Cuts clothing is suitable and stylish for any occasion. GQ has even named them the only shirt worth wearing. And today, my listeners get a special discount to give Cuts clothing a try. Refresh your wardrobe and time for summer with Cuts. See for yourself why Cuts is one of the fastest growing men's brands with over a million shirts sold. Get 15% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com/rotten. That's c u t s clothing.com/rotten. And in November and December of the same year, Governor Phipps oversaw a reorganization of the colony's courts to bring them into conformance with English practice. The new courts, with Stalton still sitting as Chief Justice, began to handle the witchcraft cases in 1693, but were under specific instructions from Phipps to disregard spectral evidence. As a result, a significant number of cases were dismissed due to lack of evidence, and Phipps vacated the few convictions that were made. On January 3, 1693, Stalton entered the execution of all suspected witches who had been exempted by their pregnancy Phipps denied enforcement of this order, though. Thank heavens. Good gravy, trying to hang pregnant women. This turn of events, though, angered Stalton, and he briefly left the bench in protest. It has been argued, though, that Stalton's acceptance of spectral evidence was based partially on a need he saw to reassert Puritan authority in the province. Unlike his colleague Samuel Sewall, who later expressed regret for his actions on the bench in the trials... William never admitted that his actions and beliefs with respect to spectral evidence and the trial were all an error. Well, are you guys ready to lose your minds even more? There's simply no denying that William Stalton was massively influenced by his devout faith. Researchers have even theorized that his mission to cleanse the Massachusetts Bay Colony of witches could have been motivated by opposition to his sexual orientation. Put simply, this man was most likely uh, the homosexual inclination, like myself. Here are some reasonings behind this theory. After moving back to Massachusetts in 1660, William abandoned his chosen career and repeatedly refused offers to become a minister for his hometown in Dorchester. For nearly 10 years, William rejected these proposals by claiming that he had some objections within himself against the motion. Despite living to the age of 70, he never married. This was very highly unusual in a Puritan society, which emphasized family above all else. Since unmarried men and women were expected to be celibate, just about every single person sought nuptials. William's behavior as a bachelor status suggests some ambiguities in his relationships with women, and even his sexuality. Could the term oil over being homosexual exasperated his fear of the devil? Maybe he believed that if he could purify the world of witches, then he could heal himself of his innate dysfunction. It would certainly explain the cruelty of his court proceedings. In another time, maybe William would have been able to marry a man. But unfortunately, as we know from my History of Homosexual episode homosexuality was harshly condemned in the 1690s and Stalton's crusade to rid the world of satanic influences thrived. As is the case with a lot more historical figures than you'd realize (coughs) King James VI (coughs) he commissioned the Bible (coughs) we may never know Stalton's true sexual orientation however his decision to deny the ministry due to internal conflicts His choice to remain a bachelor for his entire life and his manic quest to eradicate all traces of witches imply he was motivated by some form of internalized homophobia. Could you imagine if all the terrors of the Salem witch trials could have been avoided if William Stalton had just practiced a little bit of self-love and took a couple trips to the woods with a nice muscled man? William Stalton died in 1701 while still serving as governor. He is often viewed as one of the bad guys of the Salem Witch Trials due to his insistence on the use of spectral evidence during the trials. His treatment of the accused is another reason for the negative view on him. Like I mentioned earlier, he never apologized for his actions during the trials and there is no evidence of any remorse which suggests he believed that he was justified in what he did to those that were accused and executed. Stalton's actions during the trials absolutely led to the death of over 20 people that were either executed or died while imprisoned. Remember, folks, it can literally be deadly when we push down the parts of ourselves that make up who we truly are. Let's take a lesson from William. By hiding who he was, it created a vacuum of darkness inside him that ended up causing the deaths of over 20 people. All that fear that lied within him was transferred to those poor women and men. Even after their hearts stopped beating, it still was not enough to rid him of his turmoil. Don't forget to embrace who you truly are. It can not only save your life, but who knows? It may save the lives of others as well. Thank you all for joining me on this episode of Rotten to the Core. I hope the souls of those who were murdered and those who laid the judgment into them have found peace in the everlasting understanding. I am your host, Josh Waters, and thank you so much for learning about the life, crimes, and secrets of William Stalton.